Six Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Anthony Giretti. Anthony is a passionate developer, Microsoft MVP, and MCSD. He is currently senior developer at Sigma HR, specializing in web technologies. Welcome, Anthony. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's glad to have you. Uh, before we kind of jump into the meat of things, would you give a listeners maybe a little bit more introduction to yourself? You know, perhaps tell them how you got started in the industry. Okay, so uh, I'm Anthony Giretti. Um, I've been working in IT industry since 2006, seven. Um, I've started to work with ASP.NET uh, web forms. And I have been working with whole uh, ASP.NET Core framework since uh, since that day, uh, and uh, now uh, I switch. I, I, I won't say switch because I'm still working with ASP.NET Core, but yeah, I switch to a front-end development with ASP.NET Core Blazor, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, so what, what is uh, a normal day for you? What are the kind of st- tech stack that you're working in now and uh, the problems you're kind of solving right now? So, so far, I, I started my, my new position two months ago. So I'm learning uh, the legacy platform, which runs with ASP.NET Webform, ASP.NET uh, 4.8. So the latest .NET framework, I, I would say. So it's not that bad but um this legacy has 20 years old so it's a huge 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 very huge application and before starting to rewrite everything we decide we have decided to separate the front end from the back end and we decided to 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 work with blazor for the front end very cool yeah it's very exciting challenge yeah, and, and we love Blazor. So any exciting things that you've learned along the way as you've been migrating and, and transitioning over into utilizing Blazor? It's really passionating because what I did in JavaScript, I'm cutting it in C-sharp. So <laughs> yeah, um, no more, no longer uh, spaghetti code, for example. So I have .NET compiler, so yeah, I'm happy to work with Roslyn instead of nothing in JavaScript or <laughs> uh, the TypeScript compiler in uh, types in um, yeah TypeScript. So I'm, I, I don't feel lost when it when it doesn't compile. So I'm very more comfortable uh, with C Sharp, and um, yeah, I don't have to face with the JavaScript and TypeScript complexity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And I understand you also have a new book out 
beginning gRPC with ASP.NET Core 6. Exactly. You want to tell us a, a little bit about that? Or, or how did you stumble upon uh, writing? Or have you been writing for, for long? Okay, so um, first, uh, as a Microsoft MVP, I'm a blogger. So uh, um, I'm blogging uh, very, very often. And um, at some point, uh, when .NET Core 3.1 released, I decided, because I love APIs, microservices, etc., etc., to focus on GAPC. I blogged uh, about it. I, I blogged a couple of blog posts. And at some point, uh, I, I had a good knowledge, and my editor, Apress, uh, saw my blog and proposed me uh, to, to write a book. So it took me two months to say yes, because <laughs> I was a simple blogger. And to me, writing a book was very challenging. And I would say a scary, a very scary <laughs> challenge. So it took two months. And after two months, because uh, we were uh, in pandemic, I was stuck at home with curfew, et cetera, et cetera. I, I was wondering, hey, Anthony, why not writing a book instead of playing PlayStation every night? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I said yes. And uh, yeah, I did something smart instead of playing all the time. <laughs> what What is gRPC? What it, and you know, uh, explain it to folks who we have a lot of um, people that are new to .NET, um, junior developers, you know, what what is it? And then, you know, probably plenty of people that... that okay. Uh, so um, thanks you. Thank you for, for your question. It's very important exactly to understand what is GAPC. So uh, GAPC first is a new way to design APIs. Okay, so, so far in the market, we have web APIs, which work with JSON. And if you want XML, you have OData, you have GraphQL. Uh, what else do you have? Did I forget something? I don't think so. And we have GAPC. Uh, GAPC is... A little bit different because it works only with on HTTP2 and relies only on HTTP2 because Google has designed it to take advantage of the best performance as we can have. So first, it's based only on HTTP2. Uh, it's not tr really true, but I will. I will um, talk about it just a bit later. We have JPC Web. But um, the goal is to transport data in a binary binary way, which is really, really more important and decrease the, 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 the load of the network. You can divide by three or four the data transported, the size of the data transported over the network. So binary is very... Uh, it's very small, you know, on the network. Uh, in the meantime, um, and this is not uh, designed by Microsoft, uh, we have GPC Web. What is GPC Web? It's um, a, a new version of GPC which can work on HTTP 1. Okay. And um, at the beginning, it was simply uh, a convention, you know. It, there were 
no um, no implementation. You just needed to implement a, a reverse proxy or a proxy, yeah, a proxy such as Envoy, which translates HTTP2 requests and responsive to HTTP1. Okay, so there weren't any. It was a simply a, a specification, and you develop your own proxy. But what Microsoft did, they did a really great thing. They implement natively uh, GPC Wed in ASP.NET Core. So you can transform and tweak your GPC app to turn it to a GPC web application which can return text or binary over HTTP 1. Anyways, even, uh, even if you are... You, you want to use HTTP 1, it's still more performance than uh, over JSON. So that's why the couple, uh, Blazor and GPC Web, is uh, a great couple because you have a performance front-end and a performance back-end. That's, a, that's what I would say. And I think that's pretty much it in terms of introduction. Yeah, and I know that in in speaking with uh, clients and, and teams that I've worked with uh, most recently, there's been some debating, some some asking of questions of is is gRPC right for for me? Is gRPC right for us? So what what do you what do we need to take into account when we are looking at G, gRPC? Is it just is this the next iteration? Is this going to replace all of our RESTful endpoints? Um, and in all of our, our JSON passing of data around? Okay, uh, good question. Um, there are two things you need to check first. GPC is contract-based, like WCF with WSDL. Okay, so it's contract-based. And um, the second time uh, is... Um, you have to deal with HTTP2. For example, Amazon Web Services works very well. It's very well, uh, supports very well um, HTTP2. It's not the case with uh, a Microsoft Azure. Uh, I will give you some example. You can implement uh, GPC uh, microservices in Kubernetes, K8S on Azure, no problem, but uh, as long as you you, you, you don't use uh, application gateway, why I'm saying that? Because application gateway is compatible with HTTP for incoming requests, but from the gateway itself and the internal traffic, it doesn't support HTTP too. So this is a uh, a good challenge, you know. So you have to bypass that functionality and probably use. Uh, new um, uh, new proxies behind such as such as ingress, and uh, you can definitely use um, Azure Container Services. But okay, same problem. If you want a, a static IP, you have to use Application g Gateway, which doesn't support HTTP two. So yeah, I deployed uh, with Docker at GPC um, containers, but as if the container restart, the IP changes, and you cannot use a static uh, domain 
uh, on it. So these are the challenge you have to know before jumping on to GPC. But if you are not, um, if HTTP2 is not mandatory for you, you can turn your GPC app to a, a GPC web application and run it on HTTP1, and it works fine. HTTP2 is still a great challenge. We are still waiting for the product team in Azure. They are supposed to make it fully compatible uh, with Azure this year. I'm still waiting. <laughs> and I'm stuck. I, I cannot write my second book on uh, GPC, a more advanced book, which involves Azure, for sure. But at some point, maybe I will use Amazon instead. Gotcha. I know. I know there. Again, I don't remember if um, it's compatible, but I know that they're doing a lot with like Azure Front Door, and I wonder if they're going to be including that, supporting WWP or HTTP two um, uh, on the backside of of that platform. A good a good thing, but it's not useful for everyone. GPC with a spend Core six um, is supports HTTP3, but once again, <laughs> in Azure, I'm not sure uh, you, you can deploy it uh, uh, on HTTP3 unless you deploy everything on a VM, uh, a, a Windows or Linux VM. It's compatible. You can deploy GPC, GPC Web, HTTP 1, 2, 3, no problem. But yes, you only have the VM option so far, I forgot to mention the uh, so the another uh, place where my team is actually using it or looking at it is uh, using Dapper. Um, uh, I don't I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you you can Dapper allows um, gRPC calls uh, exactly in, in between yeah. those. So that that's pretty fantastic. Uh, I, I'm reading about it. Yeah, you you can definitely turn your services um, on uh, on GPC and use GPC. But once again, I'm limited by the cloud uh, the cloud provider, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that's a good question. When when do we reach for gRPC? What what are the the, the best problems to solve with gRPC? Is it is it something like Ash was talking about, like service to service communication, or, or or when when do you recommend reaching for that particular tool in the toolbox? So far, uh, I see two two, scenario, two scenarios. First uh, is uh, with GPC Web, which can replace Web APIs if you are using front end such as Blazor or. Um, or a TypeScript-based front-end, it works fine, but it's a bit more complicated than a web API. You have to write more code. Okay. Um, if you are interested by GPC Web in front-end, you can use streaming uh, feature, which is compatible. So I really enjoyed uh, writing uh, front-end apps uh, that implemented um, streaming server to uh, client, not client to server. It's not compatible in that way. And um was really, really interesting. So for the front-end side, it could be a great option, GPC Web. 
back inside uh, I, I would say uh, it can it can if you support as long as you support HTTP2 you can definitely replace all your WCF web services which are mostly used for backend to backend call definitely and uh, yeah that's pretty much it mostly backend to backend you save a lot of uh, several resources and it's really appreciated. So what are what are some of the features? You, you mentioned streaming. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Okay. Uh, GPC support uh, four way of communication. So unary calls. You uh, make a request, you get a response. So this is the behavior of a single web API, I would say. Okay? Secondly, you have server streaming. So you can ask a resource and the data is um, streamed to the client. It's supported by GPC Web and uh, GPC. Uh, GPC. One, one thing, when you use a GPC Web um, uh, from a, nice, a backend application, you can use uh, client streaming to the server. Um, what I meant just earlier, it's you cannot use client streaming from a browser. So it's a browser limitation and not uh, a limitation of GPC Web itself. So we have unary, we have server streaming, we have client streaming, and we have bidirectional streaming, which is uh, useful if you want, for example, uh, import data uh, into a database. You have a huge amount of data. You can send item by item, process it in the server, get a response, and send uh, simultaneously uh, another item to the server. Uh, so it's a great a, a great feature when you want to uh, synchronize data over two systems. You can send data synchronize, manage error, and at the same time, send another item. Very powerful instead of sending a big package and waiting for the successful uh, or the uh, error message, you know? How does how does that affect, like, um, the network? Does it, um, I know we talked about gRPC generally being smaller because you're you're using binary there. Does that still remain the case when you're doing like bidirectional streaming or or is it you have to like know your data and in some cases it's going to be better to sort of send it in chunks and wait for it to come back? Okay, uh, I, I cut it. If you want to send a, 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 a large amount of data, you can send it piece by piece and get responses piece by piece. The thing you have to know is uh, the HTTP2 connection uh, allows uh, multiple requests in the same connection. So the network like it because you only have a single connection and you can process multiple requests and responses, responses within the same connection. And um, yeah, the server won't have too many requests. You, you, you avoid that kind of issue if you have several services that are running at the same time. You want uh, you want a block you sever. Yeah. 
And this is really specific to HTTP2. The connection is permanent. And uh, once the server says, oh, uh, I don't have anything to, 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 to answer, it will send a header to the client. And, uh, say, and it's, um, it's the same for the client. Once the client don't have anything uh, to, to send anymore to the server, it will send header and header. So when both receive the uh, re respective header, the connection can close. Okay, okay. So I, I would imagine that most C-sharp or .NET web developers um, are pretty familiar with writing and getting started with REST and web API and that sort of thing these days. How do we get started with gRPC? First, uh, you have to understand the principle uh, which we described just before. Secondly, you have to learn a protobuf language um, because it's contract-based, um, you define contract uh, with the protobuf language, not directly in C-sharp. So uh, protobuf are um, a common language that can be translated, trans, um, trans, transpiled into any language because gRPC implementation is supported by many, many, many languages. C C Sharp, C++, PHP, Ruby, Java, uh, Node.js, and TypeScript, and uh, many more. Uh, I, I'm sure I forgot some languages. But uh, the thing is, um, JPC is universal because you only have to learn uh, Protobuf. So you can define a contract with Protobuf, and then you choose what... A language you want to target for your uh, client. So you can have uh, a server in any language and you can have any type of client. The only thing you have to share is the protobuf file and the client just have to compile it in the right language and you are able to discuss with the server. Seems pretty straightforward and simple. Yeah, it's not that complicated, but it's another language to learn. But, sure. you know, it's not a big deal, but for some people, it's another language to learn. Yeah, I know that uh, Mark Gravel, uh, a number of contributors as well, have uh, created protobuf.net or protobuf.net. Uh, do you have any knowledge or experience with that? Do you know anything about this this project? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, exactly. Um, I check a bit. Um, I wrote some paragraph in my book too. It's a nice way for a WCF developer to write GPC code. So what you have to do, uh, you don't have to write any protobuf. You simply write uh, your contract as you define your contract and your uh, data serve data member service uh, with a WCF syntax. So you just have to put the right attribute, data contract, data member, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the this tool, this library, I would say it's a framework, but it's not a framework. This library, when it compiles, transforms it into protobuf and then targets the language you want. So it's pretty much useful uh, for a WCF developer, but 
it's not what I would use if I'm starting with JPC, if I'm not a WCF specialist. But it's a great tool. I tried it. Well, what else? What else do we need to know as .NET developers getting interested, exploring gRPC, etc.? Okay, uh, we talk about uh, your, your cloud provider uh, challenges, your performance challenging, and the, the, the fact you need to learn a new language, Protobuf. But the thing is, you, you have a little thing to, to understand with GPC. It's, it doesn't work as um, a web API in terms of uh, response management and request management. What I mean by that, it relies on HTTP, correct? But um, you can't rely on HTTP status, for example, to manage your uh, statuses uh, because GPC relies on another kind of errors. I mean uh, trailers. It means so. Um, Trailers are a special kind of metadata added for GPC into HTTP headers. And for example, it manages GPC statuses and you have to rely, uh, to rely on HTTP statuses if you want to manage your uh, responses. Because the specification of GPC is very surprising, but it's always the post, whatever. You have no word, no, no HTTP verb to, to manage. You have to use, and it's not yourself, it's a framework itself. It's always whatever you do, a post to a server, which always return 200 OK, except if the server itself crashes, for sure, you'll, have, you, you, you'll get an available status or too many requests, etc., etc. But as long as the, the GPC framework handles the request, it will always return HTTP 200 OK. So you cannot definitely um, uh, rely on HTTP uh, statuses, but more important, for example, if you are using a tool such as um, Azure, um, I forgot. Uh, like App Insights or? App Insights, thank you. What you will see on App Insights, always 200 OK. So this is the thing you have to consider uh, before, but it's not a big deal. My book explained that. Uh, it's not really complicated. You just have to extract trailers from the HTTP uh, errors, and that's it. it. Do you know if there is there some app insights like uh, libraries or something like that to help e extract those things out for you? Or yes, um, so um, natively .NET has some uh, audit uh, audit features. First, and secondly, you can use OpenTelemetry, which has some feature uh, to handle a GPC request and answers uh, responses. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so, so for folks who are interested in, in GRPC uh, and um, would like to get started, uh, what resources might you point them to 
to say, hey, here's a here's a great way to to go. I, I can first, if you just want to 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 discover, just read. You can definitely read the Microsoft. Um, SPNet Core GPC documentation. So it explains the GPC SPNet Core frameworks, but it doesn't explain GPC. Uh, the second thing you can do is to go on Google, which explains Protobuf. Secondly, you can definitely uh, browse my uh, blog, uh, anthonygirelli.com. And if you want to get in depth to understand each Point the specification protobuf and ASP.NET Core, you can um, read my book, which is uh, which has been released last month, beginning GPC with ASP.NET Core 6. Uh, the editor is APROS, and you can find it uh, as PDF on Springle Link or APROS website or uh, Kindle or paperback on Amazon. Kind of wrapping up, um, what has been helpful in your career that you might share with those who are just getting started or looking to level up their own careers? For now, um, as an MVP, it definitely helped me to get better jobs, I would say, because uh, employer companies trust you, um, especially if the company works with a legacy to be rewritten. You can definitely trust a Microsoft MVP for that. Being a blogger helped me to uh, in, uh, to, uh, to to extend my network first, and secondly, writing a book uh, made me more reliable as a developer because you can have a plenty uh, of developer a certain topic, but writing a book really boosted my career. And I got my new job because my book. It really helped, I would say. It's not because I wrote the book, but it really helped. Where, where can our listeners go to follow you and keep up with what you're working on? Okay, you can find me on uh, Twitter, at Anthony Girelli, or on LinkedIn, you can find me by typing Anthony Girelli. You can also find my me on my blog. There are links to uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, and uh, the blog site is anthonygirelli.com. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this evening. Uh, it's been really great, really helpful, really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. It, it was a pleasure to talk uh, with you. And nice to meet you, John Hash, too. Yeah, pleasure. That was Anthony Giretti. Anthony is a passionate developer, Microsoft MVP, and MCSD. He is currently senior developer at Sigma HR, specializing in web technologies. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at sixfiguredev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. 